Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, this is Dr. Christopher Perrin, and welcome to another Cafe Scole podcast in which we seek to bring restful, contemplative learning back to our schools, homeschools, and lives. That is to say, to bring Scole back to school. This particular podcast is entitled Order and Solitude both exterior and interior, or external and internal. There's a kind of external order that we need to acquire and pursue in our lives, and there's certainly a kind of internal order and solitude that we need to seek as well. If you've tuned into my previous podcast, you know that we talked about order and rest. And it is true that A restful life needs to be one that is properly ordered, and that doesn't just mean properly patterned or sequenced, but but ordered in such a way as that the first things are first, that we know what the primary things are, what the first things are, and even what the permanent things are, and that we love rightly, we love the right things in the right way. And this is what Augustine uh, was getting at when he talked about ordering our loves, the so-called in Latin, ordo amoris, the order of love. He says it's important that we love our mother in one way and our mattress in another. There's a proper kind of love for the various objects that we encounter in this world. At any rate, we looked at that and we looked at some other ways that uh, the biblical tradition, Scripture, talks about ordering our lives. And we suggested that Order is a really important part of peace. And therefore, order, peace, is related to our kind of grand topic here at the Café Scolay podcast. And that, of course, is Scolay, or undistracted time to study the things 
that are most worthwhile. So I'm an educator, and so I think about Scole as it relates to education. In this particular podcast, we'll be looking at another great writer. This author is A.G. A.G. Sertelanger, and he is a French Benedictine monk who published a book, a very seminal, profound book, and yet an accessible and elegant and simple book called The Intellectual Life, Its Spirit, Conditions, and Methods. I have read and reread this book. He is summarizing an entire long tradition that comes before him, and that is our tradition as well. If you want to become a thinker, he uses this word in the book, a thinker, a learner, really a student. This book, The Intellectual Life, is a book very much worth your reading and thinking and contemplating. It's called The Intellectual Life, and to our modern ears, when we hear the word intellectual, we think that must mean highbrow, sophisticated, refined, cultured, but that's really not what he means by that word. He's using it in its old sense of someone who has acquired a vision to see and to contemplate and know the things that are true and good and beautiful. In other words, the old way of thinking of an intellectual was thinking about someone who was deeply concerned with learning and perceiving and knowing the true. So think of this book, The Intellectual Life, as a life for you who wants to think, grow, learn, contemplate, Know the true, the good, and the beautiful. That's what it's about. So it's a great book for students of all kinds. Well, I'm going to be uh, really reflecting on a passage that comes early in his book when he's talking about, Sir Delange is talking about order and solitude. He's talking particularly about solitude and its importance for the life of the mind, for the life of the student. He begins, and and for those of you who might track with the book, I I think this is beginning in around page 45 or so. He begins his the section on solitude by 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 quoting St. Thomas Aquinas, who says that we should be slow to speak and we should be slow to go into the parlor. Now, we don't typically go to parlors anymore, so what would we substitute for parlor? Uh, the coffee shop, the sports bar. Thomas goes on to say, don't inquire about the action of others. <laughs> and how different is that from for us today who are so socially connected? We can know about so many people so quickly in the form of tweets and Facebook posts, etc. Thomas says, don't inquire about the actions of others. He says, avoid useless outings above everything. This is certainly contrary to our modern impulses, is it not? Avoid useless outings above everything. Those of us who love being socially connected, whether via media or in person, this does not um, set very well, does it? What does he mean? Well, Thomas goes on to say, love your cell. He's talking about um, a monk's cell, a monastic cell. Love your cell. If you desire to be admitted into the wine cellar. Now, he's playing with words here in the Latin, of course. Love, love your cell where you, are, where you are alone, where you can contemplate, where you can pray, where you can think. 
love that. And then you'll find the wine cellar admitted, uh, opened up to you. Uh, the, the, the sweetness that we associate with, with drinking wine. Excuse me, metaphor here, but he says the cell first, then the wine cellar. Sertology says that it's in the crowd that we lose our identity. And he says, unless we can keep a firm hold of ourselves, and he says, you know, we're going to be lost in the crowd. And he says, this hold must be created. We have to create this firm hold of oneself. He says, in the crowd, one has no self-knowledge, being burdened by an alien self. That alien self, he says, is that of the multitude. In another place, he says, the crowd, distraction, what is thy name? Legion. Of course, he's making a reference to the gospel narrative in which Christ encounters a demoniac. And when he asks, what, what is your name? The, the response is, legion, for we are many. Many demons, legions of demons in this man. And Sertolange says that would be the answer of your spirit if it's dispersed and scattered in the life that is outside you. So riffing off of St. Thomas, he's saying that we tend to become dispersed and scattered and find a life that in, in that dispersed social uh, engagement that is outside of ourselves. In a sense, it's not the self that we really want to be. It's maybe not even ourself. I would just pause here for a moment to mention a couple of books that have talked about the age of distraction in which we live in. First, one from 1985. Neil Postman, the late Neil Postman sociologist, wrote, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business. A remarkable book. And then a more recent book published in 2015 by a professor, Sherry Turkle, Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. And Turkle is one of the great scholars showing just how distracted we have become because of all the media tugging and pulling at our minds. So you can look her up. That book is it's thick, but very, very, very powerful. Sertolange goes on to say that, therefore, we need to leave distraction behind, of course. We need to, to, to pull away from this distraction. And he says we need to retire and recollect. Oh, well, retire just means to draw away, to draw away from the crowd. And he's using the word recollection in the sense of gathering ourselves. I, I need to recollect myself. I need to pull myself together because I have been so dispersed and scattered by the outside life of the crowd. And he says this is necessary for being able to see that which is true. Isn't, isn't that worth thinking about? That when we're dispersed and scattered, we lose our vision. He says we must practice retirement of which the cell, the monk's cell, is a symbol. Now, he is a French monk, and he's writing to people who are not going to become monks. But he says, the monk's cell is a symbol for all of us. What is your cell? 
He says we should avoid useless comings and goings which waste hours and fill the mind with wandering thoughts. These are the conditions of that sacred thing, quiet recollection. So, the cell, avoiding the useless comings and goings, create conditions of something sacred, something holy, and he calls that quiet recollection. Only by this mode of living, he says, does one hold oneself respectfully, face-to-face, with truth. Think about that for a moment. When is the last time you enjoyed quiet recollection? When's the last time you were in your cell? When is the last time you truly felt that you were not dispersed? You were not scattered by the life outside you. He goes on at this point to say, that great people have always gone to the desert. You've heard of the desert fathers and mothers, have you not? Uh, Saint uh, Anthony is one of the great desert fathers, and uh, as well, Saint uh, Pacomius and Saint Mary of Egypt, the desert fathers and mothers. It was a time, particularly in the, in the early stages of early centuries of Christianity, when Christians in large numbers, went to the desert to seek God and to seek the truth and to have the freedom to contemplate. At a time when, during the Roman Empire, when there was a lot of disintegration and a lot of chaos, and sometimes a lot of success, too. And many Christians felt like Christians were becoming a little too fat with success, and uh, withdrawing to the desert could be a helpful response. He says, Sir Delange, retirement is the laboratory of the spirit. Interior solitude and silence are its two wings. So it's worth repeating, I think. Retirement is the laboratory of the spirit. When we retire, when we go to our cell, whatever that our cell would be, our spirit is able to be served. And he says this interior, interior solitude and silence are the two wings of this kind of retirement of the spirit. All great works, he says, were prepared in the desert, including the redemption of the world. Of course, he is alluding to Christ, who himself spent Lots of time in the desert. And that's why so many of the desert fathers and mothers also went to the desert, because they were following their master, Christ, who went to the desert, seeking interior solitude and silence that their spirit might fly on those two wings. You might be interested to know that the Latin word solitudo can mean solitude. It can mean a lonely place. But do you know that it is also used to mean simply desert? Solitudo in Latin can also mean desert. A desert place. Again, our cell can be that kind of desert place. 
This is what Sergio Lange is saying. We can't always literally go to the desert, but we do need to retire. We need to go to a place that is going to be like unto going to a desert. He says, all who bear a message, all poets, all seekers, all those who are on the alert to pick up the truths that lie scattered around us must plunge deep into the vast emptiness, which is plentitude. Now here he's using a bit of irony. Emptiness that is fullness, going away to become full, leaving, leaving the crowd so that we find ourselves in solitude and silence. He says that no great man has, is, has tried to escape this law. And I won't read all of their quotations, but then he cites Emerson, Descartes, Plato, Bousset, uh, Gabriel de Annunzio, Augustine, Bernard, all of whom said similar things. It's so important to withdraw in order for us to fly spiritually. Isn't this what you have already chosen in some way? Why would you be listening to this podcast, which is about undistracted time to study the things that are most worthwhile? If you've been attracted to the idea of scole, I I suspect you've already made some kind of a preliminary decision to lean into a life of silence and solitude. You know that you need this. And Sertolange addresses the reader at this very point. And he says, and you, thinker, why have you come to this life outside ordinary life? To this life of consecration, concentration. He uses both words. Let's just pause there for a moment. Consecration from consacrare means to make something sacred, to set it apart as holy. A life of consecration. And then the word concentration from cum plus centrum, which means to center oneself or to focus, a life of both setting things apart as holy and centering oneself, consecration, concentration, and therefore of solitude. Because these two things, consecration and concentration, require solitude. Maybe not all the time, but they do require solitude. He goes on to say, was it not because of a choice that you've come to this life outside of ordinary life? Did you not prefer truth to the daily lie of a scattered life or even to the noble but secondary preoccupations of action? Is that you? It certainly is me. And it certainly is a struggle. I have trouble getting into my cell. (laughs) I have trouble getting there regularly. He goes on, that being so, will you be unfaithful to the object of your devotion by falling back into the grip of what you have freely given up? I resonate with that. There is a temptation to fall back into the grip of what I am trying to leave behind, a distracted life, a scattered life. And I have fallen back at times. Sertolange says, we must first offer to him, to God, to Christ, 
the solitude that we've created. So when we can pull ourselves away, when we retire, we offer our retirement to our Creator. And it's in this setting that there is the possibility of rest and inspiration. He goes on to point out that solitude is for silence and stillness and order that our souls so deeply need. When the silence takes possession of you, he writes, when far from the racket of the human highway, the sacred fire flames up in the stillness. When peace, which is the tranquility of order, puts order in your thoughts, feelings, and investigations. You are in the supreme disposition for learning. I find that statement profound. It's in solitude that we become profound students. It's in the sacred fire of stillness when peace can emerge and it becomes a tranquility of order that puts order into our thoughts, feelings, and investigations and puts us in a frame of mind, he calls it the supreme disposition for learning. He goes on to say, you can bring your materials together. You can create. You are definitely at your working point. It is not the moment to dwell on trifles, to half-live while time runs by and so sell heaven for nothing. He's going to say later, we need to go into our cell and stay there. This is the time to be creative. This is the time when, ironically, work emerges, the work that you really want to do with your thoughts, feelings, ideas, investigations, emerges with fruitfulness. He goes on to point out that this solitude is necessary for your own education. If it's putting us in a supreme disposition for learning, that's no surprise. He says, solitude enables you to make contact with yourself, a necessity if you want to realize yourself. He's stopping there. If you want to realize yourself, you need solitude. To come to know who you are, to know yourself, you need solitude. It's a necessity if you want to realize yourself not to repeat like a parrot a few acquired formulas, which is what so many of us do in this culture today. Not to repeat like a parrot a few acquired formulas passing on a tweet, passing on something you've Googled. No, not to repeat like a parrot a few acquired formulas, but to be the prophet of the God who is within you, who speaks a unique language to each man. If you would would hear God speak to you, if truth is going to be known and even come to you through a state of contemplation, You must find the cell. You must find this time alone to, as Sitalaji puts it, realize yourself. 
He continues and says, education is a kind of mental training, the drawing out and unfolding of the soul. Now, he's playing with the word education. It's a Latin word, of course, comes from educatio, and the verb is educare, and educare means to literally lead out. Duco means I lead. A duke was a leader. And educare, or ex-ducare, means to lead out. Education is a kind of unfolding, a drawing out of a human soul. And it's kind of bare etymological meaning. He calls it a kind of mental training. The drawing out and unfolding of a soul. But he says we must bear in mind that one can only unfold oneself in that fashion by first living with oneself closely in solitude. This has important implications for teaching and learning, does it not? Students need to learn this. Of course, teachers need to learn this. Students need to learn how to be comfortable in their own skin. They need to learn to be comfortable being alone. Take away the smartphone of your average teenager and what happens? Turkle will tell you about this in her book, Reclaiming Conversation. Well, what happens is great anxiety because we can no longer be alone without all of our devices and without being socially connected via the Internet. So this means that we have fewer people today who are in their cells listening, contemplating, finding themselves when they are alone with their Creator hearing things they've never heard before, seeing things they've never seen before, finding tranquility and peace and ordered thoughts, ordered feelings, ordered questions, and finding themselves creative and doing meaningful, productive work. We're losing this. Implications are profound. He quotes... Another writer who says this, Solitude is the homeland of the strong and silence is their prayer. Silence is the prayer of the strong. How can that be? And it's in this this context that Sertilanji says, What a prayer indeed there is to truth and what a power of cooperation with its influence in prolonged recollection frequently resumed at specific times. He calls this solitude and silence prayer, and he calls it a prayer to the truth. And he does this in another place in the book. He says that's what study is. His definition for study is a prayer to the truth. Might that change a school? Might that change a classroom? Might that change a teacher and a student? If we could believe and think that study is a prayer, and it's a prayer to the truth. And here he's making the point that one means to having that prayer is to be alone, to find solitude and silence and a kind of ordered tranquility. This is how we come to know truth. This is how we come face to face, respectfully, he says, with truth. 
As he begins to sum up, he says, we need to stay in our cell. (laughs) We need to be able to do this and do it regularly. One cannot, he says, quoting St. Thomas, contemplate all the time. But he who lives for contemplation directs everything towards it. He organizes his life so that he can find these sweet times of contemplation. And he resumes it when he can and gives it a sort of continuity as far as may be on earth. And here he's being a realist. Now, he's a monk. He had more time set aside because of the decision he made to be a monk to do this. But he's speaking to the rest of us and saying, okay, you can't do this all the time. In fact, Augustine makes this very clear. He says, the benevolent love of our neighbor compels us to to act of love, not just contemplative love. We can't just contemplate God in prayer and be in ourselves all the time. We have to go out and love our neighbor. And that's the love of God and the love of neighbor that compels us to do this. So like the Good Samaritan, we will act, we will seek, we will serve. And this is good. And even monks do this. But they get to contemplate more than the rest of us. He says, delight will be found in it for the cell, if you stay in it, grows sweet. He quotes the Latin, and so I'll pass it on to you. Kela continuata dulcisit. The cell that is continued to be, uh, be dwelled in grows sweet. If you stay in it, it grows sweet. So, how about you? Once again, do you have a cell? And if you have a cell, do you visit it frequently at specified times? In other words, do you stay in it? Well, this sounds like it's something, the solitude and silence, this tranquility is a blessing to us, and it is. It's the way we become students. It's the way we learn and grow. Okay. But he says it's also not just for you. He says for you, an intellectual, your neighbor is the person who needs the truth, just as the neighbor of the Good Samaritan was the wounded man by the wayside. Before giving out truth, acquire it for yourself, and do not waste the seed of your sowing. You know, if you've been on an airplane and you listen to the attendants tell you how to be safe, they tell you that if the oxygen masks are to fall down, you are to put a mask around your own head and face first before you help someone next to you. We ourselves need to be in the cell to become acquainted with truth, to be acquainted with peace to come to know our Creator and God better. We have to acquire it for ourselves in order that we might share it with others. If you are a teacher or an educator, is this true of you? He goes on and says, If the words of Thomas Akempis' book, The Imitation of Christ, are true, you will be more a man and more with men when you are far from them. This might be another one of those paradoxes like the First will be last, and the last will be first, and the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Uh, Withdraw from people, and you will be able to be with people far better. Withdraw from people, and you will know people more intimately. 
withdraw from humanity and you will be able to serve humanity. And he says that. He says it this way. In order to know humanity and to serve it, we must enter into ourselves where all the objects we pursue are together in contact and get from us either our strength of truth or our power of love. If you want strength of truth as an educator or as a parent or as a spouse or as a sister or brother, father or mother, go to the cell. If you want power of love, Sertolange says, go to the cell. He says one can only achieve union with anything through interior liberty. Do you have interior liberty? Are you free in yourself and with yourself? This is how he says we come to know things. This is how we achieve union with anything. How important, therefore, is your interior life? Order and solitude bring interior freedom. It's how you come to know what's true in deep ways. He concludes, and I will as well, by citing Jesus. Because Jesus is our model in this respect as he is in so many others. Jesus shows us truly that one can be entirely recollected. Entirely himself. Entirely enjoying the fruit of solitude. But he uses the word recollected. He could have said entirely retired. But you, I think, by now have a sense of how he's using these words. Entirely, he was entirely recollected and entirely devoted to others. Again, another paradox. By withdrawing into the desert, in isolation, with solitude, with silence, with prayer, this strengthened his power of love. And he was entirely, therefore, devoted to others. Entirely, this is Sertilange again, entirely given to men and living entirely in God. He preserved his solitude. He touched the crowd only with a soul of silence to which his words were like a narrow doorway for the interchanges of divine charity. That is A.G. Sertolange. And I've only been engaging about 10 pages from his wonderful book, The Intellectual Life. I encourage you to read it. And if you're interested in this topic as well, I encourage you to take a look at a course that I've put together called Scole Learning or Restful Learning. It's on classicalu.com. Especially those of you who are teachers, whether in a homeschool or school setting, I think you'll enjoy this short course called Scole Learning. It's at Classical U. That's Classical U as in university. You could also go to classicaluniversity.com. They're the same. And you'll enjoy uh, um, me speaking about this with students uh, front and center in mind. Thank you for listening to this particular podcast on order and solitude, both internal and external. I think next week I'm going to continue with Sertolange and explore with you his idea of study as a prayer to the truth. I hope you'll be with me for that podcast. Thanks again for listening. Music
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.